0: Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the contents in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday.
1: I'm Sean Kane, and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore. At the death of a Christian whose life of faith was begun in the waters of baptism and strengthened at the Eucharistic table, the church intercedes on behalf of the deceased because of its confident belief that death is not the end, nor does it break the bonds forged in life. The church also ministers to the sorrowful and consoles them in the funeral rites with the comforting word of God and the sacrament of the Eucharist. These words come from the order of Christian funerals and describe the Catholic Church's teaching on the end of life. Whether death is expected or comes suddenly, Catholics often find themselves in unfamiliar territory and are suddenly left to plan a funeral. Where do they turn? Well, Catholics in Baltimore have turned to our guest and his family for more than 90 years. Mike Ruck of Ruck Funeral Homes, thanks for being with us today.
2: Thank you, Sean. Good to be with you.
1: So Ruck Funeral Homes has been around uh, 91 years. Uh, How long have you been involved in the funeral business? Well, I've been
2: uh, licensed now for about 44 years and, of course, my son, Mike Jr., is with us as well, so he's Generation 4 in our family. Mm, so it family really is firms. a family business. Yeah, we have serve families from three different locations in the uh, greater Baltimore area, in Hamilton, down in the Dundalk community, and also out in Towson. In Towson. And
1: which of those three would you say is your, either your busiest or your biggest location?
2: Well, all three of the locations certainly serve a, lo- a wide demographic area, but probably at this point in time, our Towson location because of
1: the location and ease of convenience for most families. Right, right off the Beltway. Yes. So you yourself have been, as you said, licensed for over four decades. A lot, that's a lot of time. What what changes have occurred in that time that come to mind?
2: Well, I, I think the, the largest change is the absolute expectation on the part of families that we help them design a service that is meaningful and personalized. And I knew that the church has... Um, many different options that are available for families, and we can certainly talk about when we talk about planning a Christian or Catholic funeral as mm-hmm. well. Um, and, of course, cremation is increasing as a method of disposition for families, and those are probably the two biggest changes that we've seen.
1: Mm-hmm. So what does make a good Catholic funeral? Well, you know,
2: the, the Catholic funeral is a continuation or continuum of, of, of our of our faith. When we're brought into uh, our ch- church for the first time with our Catholic with our parents and and godparents, um, our baptism occurs before a, a paschal candle we're given a white garment that we wear that's given to us for our baptism and uh, our little infant body is blessed with holy water and when we come into our church for the last time um, Our casket is placed before a Paschal candle. Our body is blessed with holy water. And uh, Paul is placed upon our casket. And at the opening of those services, the priest says, On the day of your baptism, you put on Christ. In the day of Christ's coming, may you be clothed with glory. And it's a continuation. You know, the Catholic funeral, while it might be difficult for families to appreciate and understand at the time, but the Catholic funeral is a celebration of your new life.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And I would imagine because a lot of people are um, thrust into the position of having to unexpectedly plan a funeral, um, emotions kick in, um, it's difficult to make rash decisions, um, some people are just overwhelmed with grief. Uh, What advice do you have for people in terms of planning ahead and thinking about it? I know it's a subject people don't like to think about, but it is a practical reality. You
2: know, we're encouraged to make plans, um, whether it's having an updated will Mm -hmm durable power of attorney, advanced medical directives, and for a lot of families, um, planning for their service in the future is just a natural extension of that. Uh, I've been a funeral director, as we mentioned, for over 40 years now, and my experience is that most families know what they want to have in the way of a funeral because it's been customary and traditional for them. we certainly, we, we find a lot of families now that are making pre-arrangements, uh, actually and ex- uh, they come to a funeral home of their choice for an explanation of choices and options that are available before a death even occurs. Many families will just reduce these requests to writing. Other families will take the step even forward of paying for their services to be provided at some indeterminate time in the future. Mm-hmm. And those funds are um, certainly placed in there using an insurance policy to fund those uh, services.
1: So when we talk about planning a funeral, what, what are the, the, if somebody goes into Ruck Funeral Home today and says, I'm not going anytime soon that I know of, but I know I'm going to go at some point, I want to I make plans, what, what are the kinds of things that they're able to do and select and kind of um, choose?
2: Well, we would w- explain to families um, and give to them for their retention a copy of what is referred to as a general price list and casket out burial container price list. But we would get information from them necessary for the completion of some documents in the future for n- any newspaper notices that they may want to have. And when w- then we can sit and talk to them about the type of services they prefer, particular church where they may have their mass, uh, if they own cemetery property, and explain what charges would be currently for those services to be provided. Some people do nothing more than leave those um, records on file with us, and other people, as I mentioned, will even take in prepay for those services to be provided in the future. Mm
1: -hmm. And I guess you see a range of, you know, in terms of what are popular selections, and you talk about caskets and the types, and I'm sure they're all types like anything else.
2: Yep a wide range of services, not only merchandise, but also a a wide range of services that families can select from. The Catholic Church uh, um, has, has always encouraged families to possibly have a service where there's a period of visitation and viewing the mass with the body present and then burial. But the Catholic Church, of course, recognizing the fact that cremation is becoming more popular among families would still prefer to see the service with the body present and then burial, but um, certainly after a mass, the families can have a cremation. The church feels that the cremated remains should be treated with dignity and respect as with the body and that the cremated remains should be buried or placed in a mausoleum. The church discourages uh, the indiscriminate scattering of cremated remains. Mm
1: -hmm. So, um, in your um, capacity, uh, having worked in the business for, for such a long period of time and obviously have a wealth of experience and knowledge, you um, have been privileged to serve in um, leadership positions when it comes to other funeral home directors. Can you talk a little bit about that, what, what roles you've held and what your um, obligations have been?
2: Well, I was president of the Maryland State Funeral Directors Association, which is our trade association, but I also served on the State Board of, the morti- state board of Morticians. And my last year on that board, I served as president. Um, Basically, the state board, which is the regulatory arm of funeral service in the state of Maryland, um, we're charged to make sure that funeral directors comply with all laws and regulations. And if there are issues that have been brought by a particular family, we help um, resolve those issues where we
1: can. Good. And um, obviously, um, your experience and connection with the Catholic Church has um, allowed you to um, be called upon to assist with large funerals um, from everyone from archbishops to dignitaries and to those who may not be Catholic but um, utilize the cathedral safe because of the the space and the parking and such. Can you talk about the challenges that might be associated with having a large funeral?
2: Yes. uh, You know, serving when police fire or individuals in the military that may die in the line of duty. Uh, It requires um, a lot of additional work on our part because we have to coordinate with either different state or local um, departments, police and fire, Um, and um, we, we try to make sure that we serve all families and provide the services that they need, but again, the coordination of a funeral of a... Of, of a prominent individual like Governor Schaefer that we had several years ago does require a lot of additional planning on our part, as well as services for some of the members of our archdiocese, such as Bishop Murphy. Archbishop orders right. do require additional time okay. and working in that case, Sean, with the archdiocese very That's closely.
1: Right. That, absolutely, and sometimes it involves uh, coordinating with the media and uh, and other agencies, as you said. Uh, one thing I've been curious about. Um, I'm sure other people are too, is um, it, it, it has to be a job where there are days that are more difficult than others. You're, you know, dealing with obviously death and especially an untimely death, the death of a, a child, for example, must make those days difficult. Um, how do you deal with them after so many years? And I imagine that you've gotten better at it than you were when you first started as anybody would, but um, I imagine it's still difficult. Uh,
2: yeah, yes, it is. Um. Most A lot of the families that we serve now, it's after um, a, a member of their family is in advanced age and oftentimes suffering from lingering, wasting, terminal sort of illnesses. And when serving those families, it's almost a sense of relief, not only for them, but knowing that their loved one is no longer suffering or going through, those, through that type of pain. But serving uh, a family when a death is totally unanticipated, their grief is much more acute, um, they, they don't believe that these things have happened. And it's uh, a responsibility of ours to try to help them through the process, um, arrange with them again, like I said, that service that's meaningful for them. The death of a child is really uh, even more difficult. Uh, you know, when when we bury our parents, we bury our past. When we bury our children, then we bury our future. Mm and uh, working with them um, can be very, very difficult. You don't have to be in funeral service too long before you realize that
1: uh, human life is precious, but it's very fragile. For more information about Rock Funeral Homes, you can find them online, um, or you can contact them, and the phone number would be...
2: The phone number uh, at our Towson location, of course, is 410-823-1700. But again, available uh, information available on our website, which is www.ruckfuneralhomes.org.
1: Mike
3: Rock, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Sean. Catholic news from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Thousands of young adults looking to rekindle their faith, draw inspiration, or have a chance to meet others searching for deeper meaning in life were expected to attend a major gathering of young adults and young families Saturday, July 22nd in Washington, D.C. Co-hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, World Youth Day Unite was set to be held at the St. John Paul II National Shrine and the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception. The national event comes in advance of 2019 World Youth Day in Panama City, Panama, and is modeled after the International World Youth Days begun by St. John Paul II. Bishop Mark E. Brennan, Auxiliary Bishop of Baltimore, was set to lead a prayer procession with the relics of St. John Paul II and Blessed Pier Giorgio Frasati, patrons of young adults. The Catholic Review was on hand to cover the event on social media. For videos and photos, look for a Catholic review on Facebook. A group of more than 30 Buddhist children attending the U.S. Zen Institute Summer Camp in Germantown recently visited the Franciscan Monastery of the Holy Land in Washington to learn more about about Christianity and St. Francis of Assisi. According to a report from Catholic News Service, Franciscan Father Greg Friedman explained to them how some of the vegetables from the garden are given to the poor, how friars and other Franciscans care for places considered holy in Christianity, and how St. Francis treated people in creation with respect. During a tour of the monastery grounds, which included visits to depictions of the Passion of Christ, nine-year-old Melissa Nguyen said St. Francis's beliefs were similar to her own, that, quote, everyone is like a brother and sister, animals and humans, quote, she said. For more, visit catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is George Matasek.
4: Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV?
0: You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL.
1: This is Sean Kane, and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore. We're here today with Deacon Bill Fleming of the Office of Disabilities Ministry for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Deacon Fleming, thanks for being with us.
5: Thank you for having me.
1: So you, would, you administer the Office of Disabilities Ministry for the Archdiocese. What uh, are the types of disabilities that you, um, that you mostly minister to and see in your, in your office and in your work? Statistically,
5: 20% of any given population is said to be disabled. So in the Office of Disabilities Ministry for the Archdiocese, we encounter people with developmental and intellectual disabilities such as autism, Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, epilepsy, and others, um, as well as physical disabilities, um, people who are blind, people who have um, mobility challenges, and others as well as um, emotional disabilities. Mental illness is a disability, um, post-traumatic stress, as well as other emotional issues.
1: And those are all very different disabilities with a, a specific uh, required skills to, to minister to them. How does the church um, attempt to minister to people with so many different challenges?
5: Our bishops the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops have made it very clear in their pastoral statement for persons with disabilities, that there can be no separate church for people with disabilities. We are uh, a single flock under one shepherd, Jesus Christ. So our church must reach out to make sure that people feel welcomed, uh, included, and our churches make efforts to to provide access and accommodations for persons with disabilities. In our parishes, our liturgy, sacramental preparation, as well as making sure people feel that they are welcome to be ministers in the church. All facets, Eucharistic ministers, deacons, priests, choir members, greeters. um, Anywhere where anyone is welcome, we wanna make sure people with disabilities feel welcome as well.
1: And I would imagine that that Pope Francis has helped in that regard in in his own personal witness and ministry to people of all walks of life. And, uh, we've seen the photos of him embracing, you know, um, those with disabilities and it, uh, it really does make you feel good that that's the example being set forth for our church.
5: Absolutely. It has been such an awareness raising, um, experience to have the Pope, um, reach out and, and through his books, um, the joy of the gospel, light of faith, the church of mercy, constantly the, The Pope challenges us to reach out to people who are on the margins of society, Um, and obviously that would include people with disabilities. So he is a marvelous example um, and has, has challenged us all.
1: One of the initiatives of your office is Camp Glow. So people who may not be familiar with the Office of Disabilities Ministry may have some familiarity with Camp Glow. Uh, can you speak a little bit about it, explain what it is and how it operates, and and maybe uh, let people know how they can um, take advantage of this great program?
5: Absolutely. Camp uh, GLOW, GLOW is an acronym for God Loves Our World, um, has been in existence since 1979. Um, It's an archdiocesan week-long residential camp for adults with disabilities. And, um, It provides an opportunity for spiritual growth and social enrichment for persons with disabilities. And it really is a wonderful example of evangelization because it provides an opportunity for getting together people with disabilities. Their companions who are adults of all age uh, categories um, brings together youth ministry groups who visit every day and help out different organizations like the Knights of Columbus, Alhambra, and others who come and and assist and join in our activities. We have priests throughout the Archdiocese. Each year that he's been here in the Archdiocese of Baltimore, Archbishop Laurie has celebrated Mass with us. Bishop Madden and our former bishop, Bishop Rosansky, all come to camp and celebrate Mass each day. It's a wonderful example of people all sharing their gifts uh, in a spirit of the love of the Lord.
1: And th- this uh, does it take place in the summertime?
5: Yes, it does.
1: At um, the retreat house in Sparks?
5: Yes, w- we have grown over nine years. When I began this ministry nine years ago, we had one session of Camp Glow each summer. So that was one week. We now have four, three, at the O'Dwyer Retreat Center uh, in Sparks and one in Western Maryland. And and I will guarantee you that all four will be filled.
1: The need is that great. And is this a day camp or an overnight camp?
5: It's an overnight camp. It's a week-long overnight. We spend a week together.
1: And what are some of the things they do, you know, while they're there, the campers?
5: Typically, we will do, we share, obviously, all meals together, and then we have arts and crafts. There are pool activities, movies. Every night, we have a different main activity. We, we have a birthday party, a movie night, a talent show, and a dance where all of us share our, our gifts and talents with each other throughout the week. It is truly the, the most wonderful experience, and we always need volunteers, so if people would like to, there are, there's information on the website where they can contact the Office of Disabilities Ministry to do that.
1: And this camp is obviously, it's a great thing for the campers, but it's also a, a huge help to to family members and caregivers, is it not? Absolutely correct. I mean, it gives them a break.
5: It's, it's an opportunity for respite. And um, many parents have expressed, uh, and caregivers have expressed their appreciation for a loving atmosphere of faith where the persons who they care for can go for a week and they um, have a a chance to go away, go on vacation. They feel that comfortable that camp is such a good atmosphere, uh, provides such security that that they can enjoy a period of respite themselves.
1: That's great. Um, What advice do you give to um, Catholics who um, encounter someone with a disability, say at mass, and they want to uh, be welcoming, and and uh, but just aren't sure how to go about that.
5: Yeah, a good question. First of all, the commendation for for those who who want to reach out. That's what we need. Be honest. The, the, the most simple um, advice would be to ask, "Can I help?" And then how? How can I help? Um, you know, if you see someone who is blind, rather than take their arm and move them, ask, how can I help you? Because there are specific ways that people need assistance. And also, if I might suggest checking the in website for the Office of Disabilities Ministry, we provide on the website some wonderful resources, such as um, what are some common courtesies when encountering people with disabilities? What, um,
1: yeah, like... people's hearts go out when they see someone, you know, at Mass and the parents are struggling and you can tell they're overwhelmed and you want to be welcoming and you want to help, but sometimes you're just not always sure how.
5: Absolutely. And it's quite natural to be hesitant. But as I I say, on the website, we have some just some common sense, like using people first language. It's a person who is blind versus a blind person Mm -hmm. because we don't put the disability first. It's the person first.
1: And how about for parishes? When your office is asked to go to a parish and help them think about how they're ministering to individuals with disabilities, what are some of the ideas that you offer them?
5: We ask parishes if to, in their efforts to outreach, to consider access, accommodations, you know, large print missiles, cutouts for people who have wheelchairs, making as many parts of the church buildings accessible
1: to people. So for anyone who wants uh, information about um, how to access um, these resources, they can visit the Office of Disabilities Ministry uh, webpage on the website of the Archdiocese, that's www.archbalt.org. Deacon Fleming, thanks for being with us today.
5: You're very welcome. Thank you for
6: having me. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770.